And Fred, was he gay? Oh yes, didn't you know? I thought we all knew about each other, Marilyn said as she redrew her eyes in the compact mirror. Well, I knew you both liked me, and that I felt good with you, better than with most grown-ups. Then why did you stop coming by the shop? Waiter, another round. Because my mother told me I couldn't see you anymore. The old ladies in our hotel told my mother that you and Fred were communists and living in sin. Marilyn laughed. Of course the truth is we're both Catholics and gay, and never touched each other. Perhaps those ladies even knew the truth, but, but, shriek of laughter, assumed that communism and living in sin, that those two things together equaled being gay. We're doing fine, I'm doing fine. And welcome to Book Club with We're Doing Fine. I'm Lisa. And I am Robbie. And I have spent <laughs> a lot of time listening to this book. I spent a lot of time reading it. I was going to say it's a challenge. Mm. Um, I don't know when it was written. Do we know when it was first published? Um, I know me... it's set in the 50s. And there's three of them. Did you realise that this was a trilogy? Oh, I do, because the last 20 minutes of my audiobook was the first 20 minutes of the second <laughs> book, which I did not listen to. Um, first published in the United States in 1982. Right. Um, yeah, no, it was just um, a challenge. I felt like I was back in high school trying desperately to finish thing, and I could, like, it was just, like, so, like, archaically verbose that I literally had to just, like, whisper it under my breath to get through the pages in longer in like a shorter time than 10 minutes each it was very poetic like the description that every character had a description and each character's description lasted three pages i'm sorry Mm -hmm. it was not necessary Mm -hmm. um it's also personally i found that it actually made it really difficult to keep track of what the story like where the story was going yeah what was happening because something would happen and then there would be three pages of um description of the land and description of people and then it would pick right back up again and you'd be like wait what the fuck was happening again i don't understand oh the 12 year old boy wants to buy vaseline right cool got it yeah <sighs> oh, we're talking about a boy's own story this episode by Edmund White in case uh yes oh no we do need to introduce the it. episode <laughs> so yes um this this month's book club we decided to do a boys own story well actually no we did not decide this we had it in a shortlist and the listeners chose it so which is why I don't feel too bad having struggled with it yeah. because it was you guys that made us listen to <laughs> it uh, read it so it's a boys own story by Edmund White it is the story of um, a 15-year-old boy uh, sort of coming to terms with the fact that he is gay. Um, and it is, it is a very good insight into how homosexuality was dealt with in the 50s. Yeah. I loved the, the bit where he decides, do you know what? Homosexuality, clearly spending too much time with my mum. Better go to an yeah. all-boys boarding school. <laughs> I need to spend more time up. around just boys. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was 15-year-old Robbie's dream. 
and they all had their own rooms which i was yeah, just like how, wow yeah well he was gutted he was like i expected an orgy <laughs> i wanted a dormitory yeah <clears throat> i am um, i have to say i have to get out of the way that i really struggled with this book because so it's about a 15 year old boy re- ha- you know sort of realizing his homosexuality but in the longer trilogy it's all about this man from his old age like reminiscing mm-hmm. so they got an old man to narrate the book oh. now if you've read it you'll be aware that when the first chapter involves a sex scene between a 15 year old boy enjoying the supper body of a 12 year old and it was not nice to hear that read from a granddad okay i mean to be fair it wasn't nice to just read it um (laughs) (laughs) in my own voice (laughs) it was very uncomfortable well you didn't have to listen to this old man put on the child's baby voice oh no yes oh no yes oh that's a bad choice Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm oh dear Usually I love audiobooks, but I'm real glad I went with the with the good old paperback for this one. I usually love an audiobook too. Usually do too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ravi's like, I will not be reading the audiobook for the next one. I don't know about you. Oh no, I, I will because it's cheaper and I don't have time to read books at the moment. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I walk a lot now, post-lockdown. <laughs> That's good. We stand walking. We do. Although it's probably a bit rude to mention this one in the middle of Edmund White's episode, but I am really enjoying The Hate You Give, which I already had on book. Oh, So nice. I'm reading that one paper copy and I'm flying through it. It's very enjoyable. Um, but um, back to Edmund White's A Boy's Own Story. Yes. So, What did you think of it? As, I guess as a woman... What did you think of the? Because it was very male centric. It was very male centric, and they almost vilified a lot of the female characters, mm. and like, like obviously with the mother, um, and then the sister was like, sister was just kind of a bitch. Um, uh, mm-hmm. so I get yeah. that older sister dynamic of being like, my older sister wants me to be who she wants me to be. Yeah, I see that. I live that. Um. <laughs> but <laughs> no call out Lauren um, <laughs> I was just kind of like is this what little boys are doing because that's nasty <laughs> is this the typical male experience I don't know and I hope it's not <laughs> well it's not mine I'll tell you that <laughs> like all these 14 15 year olds going to see going to a whorehouse on their own I was just like um excuse me yeah, and then him picking uh, the main character picks the black woman because he feels bad for her, and maybe she really needs those eight dollars. Yeah, he can. He can. Well, honestly, there was right. So this novel had real problematic discussions, or real problematic references to people of color, which made me feel so uncomfortable because of the time that we are reading this novel. No, oh, yeah. I mean it would have made me feel uncomfortable to begin with, but the fact that. We decided as a podcast to read this book <laughs> at this time. I was like, oh no, this yeah. is not ideal. They had a lot of the N-word, and you can assume a the lot. hard R. Um, mm-hmm. 
Not that it would have been any better with that. The bit that made me uncomfortable was when he's in the whorehouse and he he chooses to grace the black prostitute's mm-hmm. uh, downstairs bedroom. Um, and there's a bit where he's daydreaming about how um, she's lost and he's also lost as a queer man and mm-hmm. um, he'll save her and educate her. and He'd be like, her little protector. <clears throat> yeah, and I was just like, Jesus Christ. Now, possibly Edmund White had not had 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 not meant it like that. Um but I'm gonna assume in the eighties he did mean it like that. Yeah. And that um I'm not wrong in my reading. It was uncomfortable. It was really uncomfortable. And I know we've spoken about it and mm. we were both very uncomfortable, so I just want to make it clear that neither of us were comfortable with the way people of colour were discussed in this novel. Oh yeah, um, no. And you, yeah, like mm. me reading it because I had to like whisper it under my breath, literally, to keep my place. Because I like as soon as I would just like start reading in my head, I'd lose myself. And like every single time I saw something come up, I was just like, I'm just gonna skip the sentence. It's cool. <laughs> I feel so bad because this is Pride Month, and mm-hmm. we were really excited to share a queer voice. Yeah, and I. I hope if people have read it, they'll have enjoyed it for what it is. Yeah. But I cannot recall most of the novel because of how eccentric and, uh, like, the only word I can think of is poetic. Like, for every sentence, there was at least 12 Unnecessary words? Yeah. If I wasn't already having such a struggle reading it, I would have needed to keep a dictionary by my side because there were just words that I was yeah. just like, I've never come across these, okay? I'm an English major. I got <laughs> a major and a minor in different kinds of English. Like, mm-hmm. I'm considered a fairly verbose person. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you've got two two undergraduate English students here, or graduates rather, because we we graduated. Yeah, um, and we both struggled. And I feel like if this had been a text that we had to read in class, it would not be the one I chose to write an essay on. Yeah, because uh, I didn't understand a thing that happened. In fact, let's be honest; it would be the text that I decided not to read and focus on the one that I would read write my essay on. Yeah, probably. I. I do feel bad because, like, I think someone compared it to, like, Catcher in the Rye in one of the things that I had read, and I was just like, I mean, it is in the fact that it's a white, a privileged white man who's struggling with some kind of inner battle, but that's a... And it's hard to read. Um, And they think, like, they have a weird sense of inferiority. Like, both the main character which this is a memoir-ish book, right? Um, yeah, it's <clears throat> over the three novels is basically his um, biography, essentially. Yeah, so it is a memoir, which is why I feel bad comparing it to Holden Caulfield. But also, they have a weird superior-inferiority complex. Mm-hmm. Right? Like... Like, Holden Caulfield thought everyone else was phony. And, like, Edmund White feels like 
everyone else has it so easy and therefore like his struggle is unique and Mm -hmm. more interesting or something like yeah yeah i just can't imagine having three books about yourself (laughs) i really struggled with the way that he now i don't know because the way that the audiobook was read it 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 read it quite tongue-in-cheek the way that people the way that he discussed homosexuality because a lot of the time he talked about how he was um he was disgusting and wrong and perverse and how he he actively wanted to change that so he would go on dates with women and Mm -hmm. the way that he read it the way that the 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 narrator read the book he read it quite tongue-in-cheek okay but i was super aware of if i had been reading it on the page would i have read it in that in that way So I was just wondering how you read his discussion of his own homosexuality. I mean, I read it as a real struggle with it. Like, I read it very much with, like, the fact that he was confused and, like, it did seem, honestly, that he wanted to not be gay. Mm -hmm. But every time he was confronted with, you know, a choice between making the quote-unquote, like, wrong or right decision. Mm Mm-hmm when it came to whether or not he was going to engage in homosexual actions. <laughs> um, My fave. <laughs> <laughs> he chose, I don't want to say to... wrong, but he chose to just jump <clears throat> right in. Like He did. He definitely enjoyed the homosexual actions and then, he definitely was one of those people that um, preferred to ask forgiveness over permission. Mm-hmm. He he knew it was, or he he believed it was wrong because people told him it was wrong, but he did it anyway. And then he'd be like, "Oh, I must be so disgusting." Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like there's just something mentally wrong with me. <clears throat> I just yeah. can't help myself. I just <clears throat> tripped, and my dick landed in this right right by this my teacher's wife's ear. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then that? like when he told his dad he was he was homosexual mm-hmm. to try and get his dad to give him money for therapy oh my he was so deceptive yeah Just every step of the way mm. like yeah even in the beginning with the 12 year old um cat was it kevin yeah yeah he was just like, oh, yeah, I've been with a woman. I'm totally straight, which is why you should let me cornhole you. Which Aww. I didn't know was a word for that. No, I didn't. I didn't know that was. Oh, <laughs> oh it made me so uncomfortable. Yeah, no, that entire first chapter was just like cringe city. I need you to listen to the narrator talk, like, say really Kevin's lines. <laughs> Where Kevin goes, oh, but we need the stuff. We need the stuff, you know, the Vaseline. Oh, no. No. Just go to bed. Stop it. Just go to sleep. And they're right next to, like, the little... The nine-year-old boy. Who he frequently talks about how he can hear snoring. That's why he knows he's asleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we have some listener questions. Oh, Okay. (laughs) this one comes from callum callum asks uh the book was obviously written in a different time 
But when the author uses words like sissy and ninny and focuses on homosexuality as being an illness so prevalent throughout the book, do you think this is the type of coming of age as it is advertised story that gay youth of today will appreciate? Robbie, do you appreciate this? No. And I think that's what I meant earlier by the... So in the audiobook, he he reads it quite tongue-in-cheek. But I still can't help but feel like it's super problematic and that at no point does he outright say they were all wrong and I am right in feeling how I feel but the the whole novel just has more of a sort of like acceptance of um what's the word um of deviancy you know like he just sort of accepts that he is wrong instead of realizing that it's okay to be gay yeah um and obviously, if the novel was published in the 80s, then there probably still was a bit of that belief. But at the same time, it's it's. I don't think it should be considered a coming out story that is prevalent to LGBTQ plus youths now. Yeah. But I think it's an important glimpse into how people were raised back then. Mm-hmm. And the words like, I wouldn't that say they it wasn't important. With, like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't say it wasn't important, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't display it as like a coming of age story for LGBT youths to to use as sort of like uh, an example. It, yeah. Like it is quite, it made me feel gross listening to it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that grossness was accompanied by a realisation of, or not even a realisation, but an acceptance of that is how it was back then. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people decided that they were okay being wrong instead of realising that everyone else was wrong and they were right. Yeah. Because uh, in as so much as anything can be right. Yeah. We're just all people. For me, it was just kind of like, it wasn't so much acceptance of, like, or even coming out and, like, realising that he's okay as as he is, but he subverted it by turning his homosexuality into a weapon. Yeah. Like yeah. that wild ending. And then when he met the teacher again, mm-hmm. at, afterwards, I was just like, oh, what is happening? I felt like that was unimportant to add in that he had met the teacher again. Yeah. Because, yeah. But yeah, then no. again... And, and I, hated, I hated the, um, the sort of deceptiveness of like, so he knew that he was going to go and sleep with the teacher when he got the teacher in trouble and he actively organised, you can't sack the teacher until I've gone away for summer holidays. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah. And also just, like, the failures of the adults in this novel. And, like, since it is memoir, you can't actively be like, this is just someone trying to construct the way reality it's not quite like in a novel where it's just like, yeah, no, the adults are just being dumb for character development or whatever. Like he saw these failures as of these adults and he internalized that whether or not they were quite as big in their failures as they actually were. But holy shit, all of those teacher experiences, I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, the, the teacher ones made me uncomfortable. I do have to say, I love his mom. No, his mom seemed wonderful. Like, I mean, not wonderful. So she seemed as, 
a mess. Chaotic, but in like the best way. Yeah. I liked the stepmom. Yes, she was nice while she, she was, was in it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is a follow up for uh for another one of Callum's questions. I didn't particularly like the portrayal of women throughout the story. What did you both think of about its portrayal of gender roles? I mean, we do have to take it with a grain of salt because it was the fifties. But like I just like I constantly just am comparing like his mom, the stepmom, and Tommy's mom mm-hmm. and the sister. Not so much the sister, just because she's like she's like the strong, independent girl when she's with other girls, and then as soon as you introduce men, she's just like, "Why doesn't anybody love me?" Yeah, yeah, literally. Like, I mean, she even convinces all her friends to to bring her her dad's belts. Mm-hmm. So she can whip them. Yeah. <laughs> and these women, these girls did it. But then as soon as she's with a man, she's like, oh, no. Yeah. I'm just a little flower. <laughs> uh, I need the protection. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, because, like, he compares his mom who, you know, worked and tried to date and was a single mom in the 50s, which couldn't have been hard. And, like, to be fair, she probably didn't handle it the best. But, like, to Tommy's mom, who is just, like, this meek little afraid mouse who puts even Tommy because he is male up on a pedestal and is, like, setting the table for them at midnight so that they could eat their fish feast and, like... Yeah. And was like, ah, yes, this is the ideal woman. Yeah. And then who was the other, the other female character was, um, the teacher's wife, Rachel. Oh, Mrs. Quinn's, yeah. And it is interesting that he calls most of the male teachers by Mr. whatever his last, their last name. Mm-hmm. And he calls almost every woman, female character by their first name. Mm-hmm. So he, like Rachel yeah. was just Rachel. Not miss- yeah, I didn't like Rachel. Well, Rachel had a lot of other issues going on. Mm. Like she was an unexpected religious. beard. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I love how honest Quincy was. Like, I used to be homosexual, and then I met Rachel. And now yeah. I'm cured. And it's like, <laughs> oh, yes, that's, that's how it works. That's yes, how it mm. works. You find yourself a nice beard, and you call her yourself cured. Let mm-hmm. them have children with you while you're having sex with the priest. <laughs> oh, next question, please. <laughs> All right. This question comes from Cameron. Cameron asks, do you feel this book is an important influence for younger gay writers? Long pause from Robbie. Interesting <laughs> that he chose young gay writers. <clears throat> And that I don't think anybody should write like this. So I think it's an excellent example of how not to write a novel. Yeah. <laughs> and I've already discussed how I feel about the portrayal of homosexuality in it. So take that yeah. as you feel. Um, yeah, no, do not write like this. This is... I... <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. Um, well, it's okay, Cameron also asked... Why does the narrator feel such a thrill at betraying Beattie? In what ways is the betrayal both surprising and perfectly fitting end to the novel? B, 
Beatty is the uh, jazz teacher, which he, with just like precision, managed to fire him and protect himself. Yeah. And it doesn't even make sense as to why he gets him fired. Like, he finds out that he's been smoking weed with some of the students, mm-hmm. and he decides that's awful. So before he even realizes that. Before he even realizes that this teacher is, you know. Yeah. Slightly homosexual. Um, he's already booked in to meet the teacher, uh, to meet the head teacher, to get this teacher fired. Mm-hmm. He's already booked in. He's got a meeting at 4 p.m. Yeah. No, at 3 p.m. And then he goes to see the jazz teacher and then he starts to get suspicions that he might be gay. So he just is straightforward and says, you want to party? Like, well, maybe I can suck your dick <laughs> at some point. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and the jazz teacher's like, oh, fuck, yeah, sure, come round to mine at four. Yeah. So he already, he goes to the head teachers and says, this teacher's selling pot to, te- uh, to students. Don't fire him until I leave for school holidays, please. Because mm-hmm. I'm away to suck his dick. Yep. Like, <laughs> what? And you're totally right. Is it, it, The entire climax of the novel is him learning to weaponize his homosexuality. Yeah. Because he was like, well, he can't implicate anything against me. Like, he can't backlash against me because I can just say he made me suck his dick. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I didn't like the end and it made me feel gross. It was just such a wild ending and it was just kind of like, why was this the line where, like, why was this where you draw the line? Yeah. Because it's not like there were so many other offenses that couldn't have been reported. Was it just because this was a teacher who was giving out drugs? Was it because it was associated with jazz? Was it? (laughs) It wasn't a fan of the jazz. Yeah. Well, you know. You know what jazz means. It means people of color, which we already know this book is not such a fan of. No. Or is he a fan of? I'm very confused. No, he's, no if he was, then he wouldn't have discussed them because he didn't even he didn't even write about them. He discussed them. And that's why yeah, I kept that's saying true. that word. Very just like, like dismissive I, of these other folks with their music. Yeah. And sometimes I wish I was as free as they were on the one day they have off. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And that's it. That's all the discussion. Uh, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. It was um, just um, a book. <laughs> it was a book. And I'm sad that we didn't read The Heart's Invisible Furies instead of this one. Yeah, all right. This question comes from Corinne. Oh. How does the narrator's family shape his identity? Does How does he understand or misunderstand the role his mother and father have played in his life? I mean, I think he learned how to be tactically deceiving from his parents. 100%, yeah. And, like, as a child of divorce, he was just like, well, I'm going to play these two against each other. Yeah. That's definitely, yeah. And possibly that is where the the use of homosexuality as a weapon comes in, because Mm -hmm. his mum uses her sexuality a lot. Yeah, that's true. With her many, many friends. Yeah, it is weird because, like, he does describe in the first half of the book that his mother was, like, his best friend. And then, as soon as it didn't help him, he was just so ready to throw her under the bus to achieve his own goals. It's her fault I'm gay. Yeah. She's, she's, She's ruining me. She's ruining me. I need male influence. Need a proper male role model. Excuse me, a what? (laughs) Surround me with dick. I mean, men. (laughs) Men. Mm. I'm just like... I mean, I've never been to summer camp, but are, are like, pedophiles that, that often in them? 
It seemed like every single time he went to camp, there was just something. Yeah, it's true. The book has baffled me. Yeah. I'm really at a loss of word. That's because he took them all. Yeah, he's used all the words. <laughs> there are no them. words for me left. I'm so glad that, like, I'm glad and upset that I had waited so long to read it. Because I think I got it at the, basically, like, the second week of the month. And then once I started, like, I think I read, like, the first three pages and that took me so long and then i just set it aside for like another week and a half and then i was like oh no we're recording the next at the end of the week and then i still waited a day or two and i was like okay i have to read 50 pages a day <laughs> yes yeah, so you needed that deadline to get through it yeah but like i was the same like i had the audiobook and i would just listen to it at every chance i got because the sooner it was over the sooner i could, sooner i could start the hate you give yeah <laughs> Like, there was no desire to read this book, which is a shame because I was really excited to read this book and then it turned out to just be really bad. Yeah, not our best selection. Possibly our worst. No. Poss- yeah. That's what we get for letting the listeners do a poll. Yeah, it's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to blame it on you guys. We love you guys, but... We love you guys, but this is on you. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Well, I don't know about you. I don't have any more listener questions. Oh, I was gonna say, shall we wrap this up early so we're not so we've got more time to talk about the hate you give when we when we discuss that one. Not and, that they're connected, but holy god. Yeah, no, we'll be reading the hate you give. It started the fifteenth, and we'll be reading it and releasing our episode on July fifteenth. So if you have any questions mm-hmm. about that, please send it to us at we are doing fine at gmail dot com. I'm I'm so excited. I'm loving the hate you give. Um, and and when I say loving, I mean I am suffering anxiety. Yeah. Every chapter now. Um, yeah, it's a tearjerker, and it's just real sad, but it's mm. necessary reading. Like, all I can think of is, if I feel this ner- nervous reading about it, mm-hmm. how do black people feel living it every yeah. day of their lives? So I do, like, and it's fun. it's not funny, but it was interesting that I was reading it at work today, and my manager asked about it, and I explained to me, he was like, oh, is it, is it, like, is it like an educational one and I was like it's not um it's not like non-fiction mm-hmm. it's you know it, it is a story but it's written by Angie Thomas, Thomas. certainly yeah um written by Angie Thomas a black woman who you know has put every experience she's ever had mm-hmm. and used it for the story because that's what we do as authors yeah as writers um I was like so it 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 is important to read in, in the way that it's a portrayal of something that, that does happen mm-hmm. often. Like, we have evidence that this happens. Nobody's saying this is made up. Yeah. Um, and I think I think he's going to read it. Oh, hey, yay. And I was like, oh. I also told him there's a book that I really want to get called um, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Oh, um, it's in the window of a bookshop around the corner from my work, and every day I see it, and every day I'm like, I need to buy that. Do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of hoping I can get it on Audible. Anyway, <clears throat> that was not part of the book uh, book club. So, uh, yes, check out our Twitter at WDFcast well, on our Instagram. Well, before we do all of that, oh, oh, we have to rate this month's novel. Oh Jesus! I'm still <laughs> on this book. Yeah. That's okay, we get to announce our next next month's book right after. Oh, okay, all right, okay. That's <laughs> um, I will go first and say 
with a heavy heart that it is going to be a 2 out of 5. I agree with you completely. <sighs> like, if I was going to be nice, because, like, you know how on Goodreads you tend to just be, like, a little bit nicer because, you know, the, mm-hmm. the authors can see it. But no. This is my podcast. I give mm-hmm. it a 2. <laughs> and I only give it a 2 because I think it was very brave of him to put that down on paper. Yeah. <laughs> and to do three of them. I'm sure. <laughs> Edmund White, I hope you found your happiness. Oh, God, same. I, I hope won't I, be reading I the rest of your journey. I hope in the next two books it goes well, but I will not be joining him for that journey. Yeah. Yeah. So... Would you like to announce next month's book, or should I? No, because I've forgotten the title. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, would you like to give me a drum roll, then? Yeah. Our selection for July is... Felix Ever After by Case and Calendar. Yay! So, we're continuing the pride theme, because why not? Yeah, why the fuck not? We need a part two on this bitch. This one seems a bit more celebrating joy. Bit more progressive, bit more mm-hmm. modern, bit more LGBTQ as how it should be, happy and accepting. Modern. <laughs> so yeah, we're excited to have Felix Ever After be our July selection. So So that will be July first to July thirty first. Yep. Um so we will have the Hate You Give in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. And then on the first of august yeah you will get our thoughts and answers to your listener questions on felix Felix ever Ever after yep felix ever after (laughs) so if you have if you want to read along with us let us know how you're doing or send us your questions at on twitter at wdfcast or um send us dms on instagram at we are doing fine and you can send us pictures of your copies of the book if you want because we've noticed having done this book club that there are different versions everywhere. Yeah. Like, and my attitude is that the Americans get all the best. <laughs> well, we'll prove you wrong at some point. But so far, I think we've gotten better covers. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have questions or suggestions for next, for a follow, bleh. if you have questions or a suggestion for another book club book, you can email us at wearedoingfine at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Word of mouth is our best way of getting new listeners. Yes, and we need new listeners to stay relevant. And while you're telling your friends, you should show them how to get onto Apple Podcasts and mm-hmm. find our, our, our podcast. And then when you are on it, just send us a review while you're there. Yeah. Just five stars. A wee little comment about how great we are. That'd be nice. Be like, we love book club, or sometimes you guys miss the mark, or Robbie has a fantastic <laughs> accent. I hear people tell me that all the time via social meds, and I'm like, just write it in the podcast review. Everyone loves an accent, especially a Scottish one. Come on. You're talking shite. I bet nobody <laughs> says that. Everybody hates my accent because they don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> hey. Oh, no one ever comments on my accent. <laughs> That's because your accent is every person on TV at the moment. Sauce, babes. That's true. That's true. I'm glad because otherwise it'd be like totally Valley Girl and I just don't sound like that. Mm, that would be disappointing. No, it wouldn't be. I'd still have, but. <laughs> well, until next month. Keep, keep reading, reading fine. fine. <laughs>
Oh, 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 oh,